0: Well, good morning. Who was here last week? Anybody? Um, last week we read through the entire book of Esther, and uh, we um, prayed, we sang, we celebrated the Lord's Supper. But I, I, uh, I, I, I felt, along with others, um, just the, the, the tangible sense of the Holy Spirit meeting with us in this place. And and uh, last Sunday uh, afternoon, my uh, phone, I received phone calls and texts that, that many others felt the same way, that, uh, that God met with us in a special way, and, uh, and I was thinking, um, don't we want more of that, more of God's spirit, more of God meeting with us, and, and uh, more of whatever God has for us in our lives? Well, let's, uh, let's bow our heads and let's, let's pray for that. Um, Father, we come to you asking for more. We want more of your spirit more expectation when your word is read, more hope, more grace, more joy. Give our hearts, give us hearts that are more ready and more willing to be shaped by your spirit so that we can love more, learn more, and live more fully the lives you've called us to live. God, we are your church, the people Christ died for, people redeemed and forgiven, and in the process of being restored. We are people who are hoping And you, the lover of our souls. Spirit of God, we invite you into our midst, asking you to strengthen our faith, restore our relationships, help us to lead where you've called us to lead, to follow where you've called us to follow, to submit in all things to Christ. God, you've appointed leaders over us in the church. Help us to listen to them and care for them. And Father, you know that we need more leaders in this church. We ask that you would grow them from among us. Grow leaders and disciplers who love you and have hearts to serve others. Grow our children and our youth in Christ and use them to bless others. We ask that you would use us to help people to know Jesus, that you would use us as a church to produce leaders, disciples that make disciples, people that love people and people who love God. Father, now as we open your word, we pray that you would open our eyes through your spirit. Open our ears, open our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we are beginning a new series on Christian leadership. And uh, we'll be talking about Christian leadership all the way through Thanksgiving. That's uh, That will be the topic for about the next 12 weeks or so. Um, In this series, we're going to talk about and learn about uh, Christian leadership, church, home, school, work, and community. And I am really looking forward to the series. I I believe it will be profitable for all of us. Uh, And it's also a great time for us to consider the topic of leadership as a church. Um, We are about to begin an elder search. This is something we do every other year. Uh, We uh, do a a search for elders, and, and this series will help us to identify who God is calling to be uh, elders in this church. Um, we also need to identify uh, deacons and other leaders who will be working in various ministry, operating under the authority of the elders. These are men and women who are leading and serving in various capacities as, as leaders. And then um, it's important for us to know that LifeSpring is a congregational church. Uh, so, uh, orga- churches are organized in many different ways. This particular church is organized as a congregational church, and that, what that means is that members elect elders to represent them. And so, if you are a member, the responsibility for electing good leadership falls on your shoulders. Um, now, if you're not a member, it might be asking you know what uh, what if I'm not a member? If you're not a member, um, consider becoming one. Um, we have a membership class coming up this fall, and uh, I encourage you if if uh, if this is if this church is uh, the church you consider to be yours to uh, to go through that. Uh, being a member is uh, simply committing to being a part of this church, to lead, to serve, to love, to encourage, uh, to be a part of the body, just as as you would be a part of your family at home. It's, it's, uh, it's a, not a membership in Christ big church with a capital C, it's just saying I am part of this local body called Life Spring Community Church. Um, so we'll be talking more about all of those things in the, in, uh, the time ahead, but uh, what I want us to turn our attention to right now is this question, uh, what does it mean to be an elder and who is god calling to be an elder here at Life Spring community church so we're going to try to move the ball down a little further down the field to understand the answer to those questions and uh, to help us in this we're going to take a look at the life of peter so we had two passages that were read earlier that that uh, talked about peter one was from the gospel of john describing Uh, some of Peter's life, and the other was from 1 Peter, with Peter himself writing to other people uh, about that. In 1 Peter um, chapter 5 verse 1, Peter wrote, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness to Christ's suffering, who will also share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. So we're going to walk through this uh, passage in 1 Peter uh, 5 that talks about uh, this exhortation to be shepherds of God's flock. Uh, This is, by the way, Peter in his old age writing this letter. This is Peter the older. Uh, calling others to share in this leadership capacity that is called elders. Uh, But before we look at Peter's call on elders, uh, uh, as Peter in his old age is writing, I want us to do a flashback and take a look at Peter's earlier life and, uh, and what took place there. As I think it will inform us to what Peter is writing in his letter. So we're looking at Peter the Younger right now, as described in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 21, and uh, the the script for this, the, uh, the, the passage is printed in your bulletin, or you can look in your Bible if you want. Uh, I'm not going to read through the entire thing. It was already done this morning, but uh, I want to tell you the timing of this was between Christ's uh, resurrection and his ascension. So between Christ's resurrection and ascension, there were 40 days that Christ appeared to uh, over 500 people. And, uh, and so uh, the timing uh, of this, uh, early on Christ appeared in Jerusalem, uh, but later the, um, the Galilean fishermen returned to Galilee. So Jesus' disciples returned to Galilee, and, uh, and they went out and they went fishing. They went, took the boat out, they went fishing now they had been fishing all night long they caught nothing and coming towards shore they heard this uh this voice that said friends haven't you any fish no they answered throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some and when they did they were unable to haul in the net so great was the load of fish that was in the boat realizing it was jesus peter immediately jumped in the water leaving everyone else to uh to take care of the boat laden with fish and follow him and uh, on shore, Jesus already had a fire burning with some fish, and then uh, they quickly added to that from, uh, from the catch. And uh, for the disciples, the situation was almost surreal. Can you imagine? Jesus, this is the third appearance that uh, he makes to them, and, and, uh, and, and it just seems like it's, it's kind of a bizarre circumstance. They're elated. They're kind of like pinching themselves. Is this real? And, um, and then there's Peter. Peter who had a little bit of a struggle taking place. I don't know if you've ever had something between you and God, something that is just really a struggle, something you're working through and it's hard, and it's between you and your relationship with God. Well, Peter had that because Peter had denied Jesus three times, and that had never been reconciled to this point. So Jesus was uh, resurrected. He had seen Jesus. Peter was so excited uh, in the boat that he actually dove in and swam towards Jesus but still, there was this thing between him and Christ. And so, um, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Care for my sheep. Feed my sheep. Your role, Peter, is to care for my people. To care for the people of God. And in this role, you will suffer. All that you tried to avoid when you denied me, you will experience. Whatever you feared, you will face. John 21, 18, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And church tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down somewhere around 64 AD as the persecution under Nero was just starting. John 21, 21, Peter looked at John and said, Lord, what about him? Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. Well, much more Can be said about this passage and has been said and will be said about this passage in John, but for our purposes, we should note that Peter was redeemed, he was restored, and he was redeployed. Redeemed, restored, and redeployed. Peter was not only he was not just redeemed and restored, he was also redeployed at the very same time to go shepherd the Lord's sheep. Now we fast forward to Peter's words, his first letter, chapter 5. Peter is an old man. A few years before he would die the death that was just foretold in John 21. To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. What? Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care watching over them. Jesus called Peter to shepherd His flock, even to die for God's flock, and now Peter is making that very same call on the lives of others. So now we're looking at Peter's first letter, and Peter wrote two letters: First and Second Peter. He wrote these as an older man. Um, these First Peter has been called a pamphlet on Christian living. And if you want to read a short pamphlet on Christian living, you can read 1 uh, Peter. Um, but Peter wrote about topics that are important to us today. Uh, he told us that our faith is incredibly valuable. Uh, one reason it's valuable is because Christ died for us, uh, because it, it, uh, it is an inheritance uh, in heaven for us, uh, is what's being stored up for us. And, um, and so that, that's amazing. And the second reason is because the suffering that we experience here on earth actually makes our faith more purified and more valuable in the future. And with all these things uh, being true, God is building us uh, into a house of living stones with Christ as the chief cornerstone. That's 1 Peter. And as we look at... Um, As we look at Peter's background, how he suffered as Christ restored him, we see a man whose faith has been strengthened and purified and tested. And I think as we're looking for uh, leaders here at LifeSpring, that should encourage us because what we're looking for is not perfect leaders. In fact, you know, Esther, uh, we had Esther last week, and there is this uh, call in Esther's life, and uh, it said, you know, who knows, but you've come to your position as sort of ju- just such a time as this. God's calling your life, and, and Esther's like, you know, okay, uh, if I'll do it. If I perish, I perish. Peter's like, uh, in advance, he's like, I'm going to do it, and then he doesn't do it. He com- he's a complete, utter failure. This is the one that, that Jesus said, my, you know, you are the rock, I'm gonna build my church on, on you. How in the world do we have a leader like that, that Christ is going to use in a a really significant way? And yet, here we are looking for elders, and there are no perfect people that can fill that role. But there are people that have been redeemed and restored and who God is redeploying in this role that we need to identify. I think it's helpful. A leader who has struggled, a leader who has failed, a leader who has had to search their soul and then experienced redemption and restoration as, is a leader that God might also deploy to shepherd his sheep. Now, the rest of Peter's call to elders in 1 Peter 5, 1-4 speaks of an elder's motivation. Why do I want to be an elder? Um, An elder serves willingly, not for financial gain or out of obligation, but out of a heart of service. Um, Therefore, an elder is what we would call a servant leader. Uh, Before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus' disciples argued over who was the greatest, and Peter was a part of this. in their minds, a leader was the one who is the most honored. A leader is the one that gets the goodies. A leader is the one that gets to lord it over everyone and tell everyone else what to do. And Jesus corrected them, Matthew twenty twenty five, saying, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so all of us should be asking ourselves, what would it look like for me to be a servant leader? This isn't just for elders, this is for all Christians. What would it look like for me to be a leader who serves? in whatever area of influence that God has given me, and so... Above all else, as elders, we are looking for leaders who have come to serve, who are not serving for financial gain, who are not serving because they can be in a higher position, but they're serving out of hearts of humility. In the Chicagoland area alone, we have seen several high-profile church leaders fall. And we can put labels on on why they've fallen. Some uh, have uh, fallen because they've I don't know. I mean, they've had built these great big ministries, and perhaps it's power. Others have been sexual temptation. We can put the. But I think at the at the at the at the uh, root of all of these things, if we can put our a label on it, at, at the root cause of of these um, leaders falling, it's humility, a lack of humility, and that's what we need above anything else in a leader in the church is uh, is a servant leader, is a humble leader, is. A leader that is going to lead as Christ told us we should lead. And I, I need to um, spend just a minute talking about humility itself because I think it's something that's misunderstood, often misunderstood. What is humility? What are we looking for here in humility? Are we looking for someone who's a doormat? And we're absolutely not looking for that. Uh, I don't think that Apostle Paul was a doormat. In fact, uh, sometimes we're looking at him and thinking, is he humble? Uh, a leader... A a humble leader could actually have a strong personality. But if we wanted to find leadership, or uh, I'm sorry, leadership, humility, we we need to say humility is a right relationship with God. Humility is a right relationship with God. It is not caused only by us making a mistake and sinning and then repenting and saying uh, God is good and I'm a, um, a piece of dirt because I've fallen. But before the fall in Genesis 3, humility existed. Humility is a right relationship with God. It's how we view God, how we view others. It's, it's how we're supposed to be, how we were meant to be from the very beginning. Andrew Murray, I love to quote dead guys because they're dead. We know how their lives turned out. Uh, but Andrew Murray was, uh, wrote a book on humility, and, uh, and, and he, he led a really good life. But uh, what, he, what he said is that uh, humility... Um, is what was lost in the Garden of Eden. And humility is what God is seeking to restore in each one of us. And if we think of of Christ restoring in us a relationship with God, a right relationship with God is what we need. And the opposite of that is pride. If we are prideful, then we put ourselves in God's position, just as in Genesis 3, and, uh, and so we seek power. We seek the good. We seek the things of God without God himself. And so that, that's what we're looking for. And then um, we're looking for um, those who are not using their leadership position over others but have come to serve as Jesus served. Now, elders um, also should be an example to the flock. It's, it says here in 1 Peter um, five three and uh, when I was a little guy uh, I think I was about four years old my mom was telling me this story my dad was with some friends and and uh, they were talking and and you know all of a sudden you know one of them put their hands in their pocket maybe a couple of them had it or my dad had his hands in his pocket and so I did I put my hands in my pocket and then they were talking with their hands and I kind of had my hands up like this and whatever they were doing I was doing I was just kind of looking at them and mimicking what they did and and my dad had no idea that I was doing that it was I was just doing what he did and, uh, and then later, when we started raising our children, uh, my wife, Asha, and I realized our, our children kept on using the word, yeah. It was annoying to us. Why don't we just use yes? And then we realized, you know where they learned that? We said, yeah. And, you know, that's, it's not a big deal. But what it illustrates is the fact that, um, that we, as children, follow the example of the adults. Well, elders are supposed to be examples for the rest of the Christians that are um, that that they're serving, and so we need to find elders that will be good examples. So think about this as a job description. You go up, you say, "Well, I like to be an elder. Uh, how many hours is it, and what's what's the pay, and all this sort of thing?" And and uh, say, "Well, actually, there's 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 no pay," and. Uh, and it, the hours are 24-7 and, uh, and, and people are gonna watch your life and see how you do and, uh, and they're, they're gonna follow you. And, uh, and so there's really no time off from, from this because you, know, you always have to be an example. You can't like, sometimes be an example and you know, watch me now, don't watch me now uh, kind of thing. And, uh, and so you go, who wants this job? But we come to uh, eldership to serve not to be served. It's a weighty sort of thing. There's a weightiness to it. And it's a huge responsibility. Paul says in 2 Timothy five seventeen that elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor. And the elders in the church also receive a promise in 1 Peter 5, 4, when the chief shepherd appears you'll receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. So what we're looking for is people who want to serve for no pay, that will be good examples to the flock, that will act in humility, that will do this for the sake, because they believe, they they have a a relationship with God, because they love other people and they want to do this um, out of the goodness of their heart that God has put there. And then we have this little problem, this little snag that we get in 1 Peter 5. Uh, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but then shows favor to the humble. And it goes on and on about this humility issue here. Um, But now we're not in elders. We're in those who are following elders. And don't we live in the age of... um, suspicion towards authority. And, uh, and the age, it's sort of a rebellious age, maybe uh, towards anyone who is over us and, uh, or we perceive to be over us. And, and we kind of say in our heart, you know, we might, you know, do some things, but part of us says, you know, you're not the boss of me kind of thing. And, and, um, and yet um, the elder is worthy of a double honor. And if the elder, so the elder is called to be like Peter, who was ultimately, his ultimate calling was to be crucified upside down. He was to follow Christ. Uh, In Matthew 16, 18, um, Jesus identifies Peter as the rock. He's gonna build his church upon the gate. uh, Hades will not prevail against it. And then, um, oh yeah, humility. (laughs) And then what happens next? Does anybody remember from that passage? Christ tells Peter, you know, not only you don't you don't like the fact he says, "Get behind me, Satan," because Peter, uh, Peter says, "You know, I, I don't want you to go through the, the cross and the crucifixion of us." Um, and Jesus tells Peter, "If anyone wants to follow me, they may have to take up their cross." So we're looking for leaders like that, and then don't you think that we could follow leaders like that? Don't you think that? All of, us, all of us are called to lead and follow at various times. we will just say that. All of us are leaders and all of us are followers. But sometimes, um, some of us lead more than others. Some of us follow more than others. But we need to do a good job at both. And when it comes to ser- uh, servant leadership for elders, elders are ultimately following Christ. That's who they're following. If they don't follow Christ, then they're not a good leader. And if we don't follow those who God put over us within the church, then we can't be good leaders either. And so we all need to take this this posture of humility towards one another. And Peter said that all of this is God's house. We're living stones. That God is building into this beautiful house. But submission is actually built into the fabric of it. This word, if there's one word in this text that we really don't like, it's the word submission. And just before this, we have wives submitting to husbands and servants submitting to masters and all submit, submit, submit. We say, well, what's the deal with submission? And then we go to, to Philippians 2 and we realize, oh, Jesus submitted to God the Father. There's submission within the Godhead. And there's submission uh, with with us to one another. And in a marriage, there's submission of the wife to the husband. There's also submission of the husband to the wife. We're to care for one another in that relationship. And there's an orderliness to it. Uh, We don't take each other's positions within that relationship. Um, And just so with the church. So that, that image of marriage is very much the same as the church. Well... So where are we at here? We've, we've kind of walked through a couple uh, places with Peter. And and when I, when I put the two together, and I think of the Peter, younger Peter and John, and older Peter writing this letter and, uh, to the elders, I think about Peter being redeemed and restored and redeployed and realizing um, he wasn't the hotshot that he thought he was, and then He's saying, the words he's saying to these elders are what he has learned throughout his life. Don't lord it over them. Act in humility. This is, this is your way. These are all the things I've learned throughout my life. This is what Christ has taught me. And I want to pass it on to you. I want you to pass it on to others. And it's going on to this very day. These are the people we're looking for. These elders. Now, I want to take just a minute and, and uh, return to this, um, this issue of, of membership as well. Because uh, for us, uh, so we have a, a, a town hall meeting that is coming up this next Thursday. And at that meeting, we're going to talk about this topic. We're also going to be talking about the, the place to gather that's coming up. We're going to be talking about um, groups and various things that are coming up. I encourage you to come to that. We're, but as we introduce this topic of eldership, it's going, the process is going to take place from then until early December when we actually vote on who the elders are. And we need to be in, in, uh, prayerfully uh, discerning who, um, who God is calling uh, to be in that position but at the very same time, uh, we need to be encouraging uh, one another to be members. And um, this is something that, uh, that some people misunderstand, and I just want to make it very clear. Churches are designed in different ways. Some are more hierarchical, um, the, the, uh, the church with the pope and that, that sort of thing being um, probably the end of that one spectrum. Some are more of a a grassroots affair, that the local congregation has uh, more authority than whatever organization that the church is a part of. We're we're designed more along those lines, where there is more authority at the local level here, we're part of the EFCA, we're part of our organization. But what that means is, because of the way this church is organized, it's very important that, um, that we become members we're, we're members in Christ by virtue of our profession of faith and our baptism. This is not membership into the Christian church, it's membership into the local body. And the reason why we do it this way, the reason why there's membership is because we need to know who says they're in, who self-identifies that, yes, I, I bl- I've read the statement of faith, I agree with the vision of, of the way this group is going and I will contribute, I'll be part of it, I'll wash the dishes, I'll mow the lawn and all those sorts of things we do when we're part of the family. Uh, I'll watch your children. I'll give. And so when someone becomes a member, what they're saying is, yes, I'm gonna be part of this particular local body and I will do those things. And I will also take the responsibility and the mantle seriously of, of, and pray about who God is calling to lead this particular church. And when we have those leaders, I will follow them. That's really, really important for us to understand. It's not a club. It's a family. And what we're saying is, do we want to be part of the family? Do we believe God's calling us to be part of this family? So I hope that's helpful if, if, uh, if you're considering membership and wondering uh, if that's something God is calling you to do. Um, and I encourage you. So this fall... When we have a membership class, um, that's the opportunity to uh, to um, to connect with that. So we're a family, and uh, and and this is what we're doing together as a family coming up. As we are, we're prayerfully considering who God is going to come and, and lead us. Now we'll be talking about various different topics. Um, uh, coming up in regard to leadership, so uh, the, this is one of probably two that we'll talk about. Elders specifically, there are many different types of leaders, um, but but this is uh, this is specifically what we need to be praying for right now. Um, and then uh, just one last thought as we as we uh, finish up here is this: um, Elders are uh, shepherds; they're supposed to shepherd the flock, but they're actually under shepherds. The chief shepherd himself is Christ. And so all of us find our calling from him and come under his care, and he is the one that all of us need to follow. And what did Christ do? Christ went to the cross, he died for our sins, and we surely can't do that for others. But I think that we can help point each other that way, that we can help each other along that journey, and, uh, and, and that's what we want to do, is follow the chief shepherd of the sheep. Uh, please bow your heads with me. Father, uh, thank you for your word. You know we need leaders in this church, and you know we're, what process we're in, what stage we're in. Uh, but God, I pray that you would help us to come with expectation. Just as we uh, are seeking to come with expectation to the word of God. Pray that you would help us to come with expectation uh, when we uh, pray for leaders. That you will answer in a way that is uh, beyond what we could imagine. That you will not only give us the elders we need, but you will also give us uh, the other leaders that we're gonna need for various ministries. That you'll give us leaders for the place to gather. That you will um, give us disciplers who will help to grow others in their faith. And that you'll knit us together as a family as a local expression of that great church which is being redeemed in Christ. Father, I pray that you would do it. In Jesus' name, amen.